0: Have you checked out VanillaSoft? It's a sales engagement platform, but what does that mean, right? Well, it means that you can stop your sales reps from cherry-picking leads. It means they'll make more than just two or three contact attempts. It means you could potentially triple your sales pipeline. Check it out at VanillaSoft.com. 10 Bound the world's leading research and advisory firm 100% focused and dedicated to sales development is now announcing the 10 Bound Sales Development Conference 2020. This year, we'll welcome over 750 of the top minds in sales development to two major conferences, the New York City Leadership Conference on June 18th and the San Francisco Multitrack Conference on August 17th. Join us at both and learn from the best in sales development in these one-day experiences. Gain the latest intelligence from the 10 Bound analyst team, unparalleled training opportunities, and networking with the leaders in our industry at the 10 Bound Sales Development Conference 2020. Go to 10bound.com conference to learn more. That's 10bound.com conference. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited, hot topic right now, and I'm excited to get the next guest on the show and dive into this. Mr. TJ Mackey, SVP of Strategy at Sapper Consulting. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing great, man. Happy to be here with you.
0: Thank you for coming on. I've been a big fan of the content and the company and everything you guys have been doing. And I was excited to get you on the show. If Folks aren't familiar with Sapper yet, which is ridiculous, but tell us about (laughs) how, tell us about your background, how you got into this and what you guys are working on.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell the Sapper story first. So company's been around, going on six years now, started out as kind of a boutique, outsourced demand gen firm, focused really heavily on content creation, writing really quirky, witty emails. And over the last several years, company has been very successful. Grown very very fast, you know. Been on the Inc. 500 list the last two years. Working on a third, and all of that has been focused on helping companies get more meetings and run better outbound and primarily doing it for them or enabling their teams to do it better themselves. And so, yeah, that's been the focus of the company. My background is kind of wide varied. I've done a lot of different things in the past. From I ran and opened a coffee shop. I I was a pastor for a brief period of time in my life. I had an eye mask company. I've done done a lot of different things, but uh, in the last <laughs> nice. five years have been focused on Sapper and helping them grow from a little baby company. I was like number five, six, up until now. You know, we've got a team of 110 people and 650 customers, and I'm feeling really very proud of, of what we've been able to build.
0: Wow, that is amazing. You know, back in the day it was like you had to stay at one company for your, you know, for several years. I mean, it seems so antiquated now, but it's like having a lot of different experiences is so useful and and so much more interesting. You know, you don't get locked into something. You know, how did you how did you (laughs) decide to go into the business world after such a wide variety of experiences?
1: You know, I've always I liked starting new things always been something like when people had a wild idea or somebody had a friend that wanted to start a business, they'd always come to me. And so even though that wasn't my background, it's just been my, just the way my brain works. And I'd kind of written myself off, you know, didn't have, you know, didn't get a business degree. I got a humanities degree that I use daily. And uh, (laughs) anyways, it just, it worked out where a good friend of mine also joined Stapper early on and was like, hey, you're creative. We need somebody to help write content and manage our accounts. Like you should come and think about it. And one thing led to another and I joined really early on as a frontline team member writing content, managing accounts, and you know, spent spent the last several years growing the, the core services part of the business overseeing that. Team, and then you know, over the last year, year and a half, moving to a strategy, new business development role. So a lot of new for me, but in a, le- in a lot of ways tied to just my love for creating new things, starting new projects and getting to meet amazing people.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I think that it's such a different world. When I started, you know, when I started, you know, <laughs> yeah, <back laughs> in my when idea. I started in the corporate world like 20 years ago, which is ridiculous. You know, it was like, you're very almost like a straight jacket, and mm-hmm. now it just seems like you can make a living while trying to find what is that that niche mm-hmm. that I'm really good at and and I enjoy mm-hmm. doing. It, there's just so many more opportunities now, you know, than yeah. it just you know ten twenty years ago. It seems.
1: And I think it's it's good because it you know I think one of the struggles you saw you know if you want to say it with the earlier generations is this pressure. To either find the perfect shoe or to walk around miserable your whole life. And I think the benefit that's Mm -hmm. come from this flexibility, employment, whatever it is, is that it lets people kind of off the hook in that mindset and it encourages them to try a lot of different things. Go work in sales for two years. Go work in, you know, services for two years. Go, you know, spend a year overseas, it's not going to be, you know, there was a lot of pressure of cultivating your resume and not working too tangentially. And I think there's a lot more room for that. And it lets people find where they shine, you know, and so five, 10 years into your career, you can find yourself in a very different role that somehow you've been building towards the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, you know, a lot of people that listen to this are, they are trying sales development and, or Mm -hmm. even the managers, you know, and Mm -hmm. people that have been in their career for a while, they're still looking for that you know, that passion or that fire in their career, mm-hmm. you know, that'll spark them. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that now, you know, it is available and it's not as like, you know, and still people look at resumes and they're like, it's a job hopper, you know, job <laughs> hopper is still like a bad yeah. word. But, yeah. you know, I, I think they, people should look twice at those because, you know, you bring in a v- wide variety of, of skills. If you've mm-hmm. got a The background like that. And look at what happened to you. I mean, you've happened to find the right people. It's a good market and a company that you can, you know, exercise that. And now you're
1: super successful. I am so, so grateful because I, I know that that's the reality of, you know, there's the space is changing a lot, but it hasn't changed totally. And there are a lot of folks that are, you know, experimenting and trying out careers and, you know, in some positions being penalized for it. And I think that. You know, there are there are still going to be roles that you need to have somebody with, you know, maybe a really technical background that's put in a lot of time doing one specific thing. But I, I think that's yes. less and less the case these days. And so I think 100%. there's a lot of room. Yeah. I like
0: your analogy of like, you either find exactly the right shoes <laughs> or you're <laughs> completely screwed for the rest of your career. That's not the case. Um, it's but not. It's it, interesting too, you know, with the philosophy that you had when you came into Sapper of, of like, we're going to throw the messaging curveball like it's mm-hmm. n- it's cuz b2b you know messaging is so boring and people are just you know fed up with millions of boring messages that they're getting so how did you come up with that idea of like hey we're going to make this funnier we're going to try something new
1: well you know i wish that you know i could tell you like the story of like well we had this strategy meeting and after eight days and lots of you know chow mein we we came up with the brilliant idea and it's you know it's a lot it's a pieces, lot less right? <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunately it was a little more stumble into great fortune the i'll give you the quick origin story so jeff Winters, ceo of savvy consulting him and his brother jim founded the company and how that got started was that jeff Jeff, in his mid-20s, got the break of a lifetime and was hired on to be the CRO of this up-and-coming, hot Midwest, and I don't know if that's an oxymoron, a hot Midwest startup. But anyways, he got brought on and and felt like he'd spent years in sales and felt like he'd finally found his moment to shine. And he gets in the door to the company and they let him know, hey, Jeff, very excited to have you. Just a couple notes as you finish signing your paperwork. One, the product is still in development. It's not been officially released or completed. We've never sold it before, though we're very confident in our price point. And yes, you do need to continue only selling to Fortune 100 HR leaders and Yikes. Uh, it was in that moment that Jeff realized that he was the one that had gotten duped. Anyway, so he spends <laughs> the next you know nine months banging his head against the wall, maybe unsurprisingly not getting the results that he would want, and in a moment of desperation, he starts sending these quirky, funky, funny, witty emails at like two o'clock in the morning to these like like the you know, VP of HR for like Wells Fargo and, you know, Netflix and, you know, these, these large tech board companies. And he gets replies. And over the course of like three months, I think he's at like 72 meetings. And, you know, he gets to these meetings and they all kind of go the same way. Like Jeff, really excited to like, you know, hear about your product, blah, blah, blah. But I brought in my VP of sales because we want to know how the hell you got this meeting. Because no offense, but people like you don't meet with people like us. And- you know, it kind of kicked off a bunch of conversations and a couple of people even asked to, you know, train their team and do a little bit of consulting. And he kind of realized, like, I'm in the wrong space. I could be making way more money helping people get meetings with people that are having a hard time. And uh, that was the impetus of, of Stafford Consulting. So he wrangled his brother, Jim, and, you know, a few of us early on. And we started coming up with how to think about writing the right, the way we talked about it, the perfect email to the perfect person at the perfect time. And how, we've, how we do that has changed a lot over the last several years. But that has been the ethos behind it. And it's been a really fun journey figuring that out.
0: Wow. Okay. I, I'm writing that down. So perfect email, perfect person, perfect time. Dude, that is the dream right there. Of That's all, a dream. All sales development. So, okay. So, wow. That would be amazing. So how do you do that? Because there's such an emphasis on volume. You know, in the business. Like you gotta talk, you know, call like a hundred people a day and send out five hundred emails and all this stuff. But you if you're spraying and praying like that, how do you just send the perfect email to the perfect person at the right time? Perfect time.
1: Yeah. Let me give a couple disclaimers and then I'll share some thoughts. So one first disclaimer when I'm having this conversation with somebody is that like your market segment is like your magnetic north. So if you are in you know, if you're selling to Fortune 100 HR executives, then your your universe of options is vastly different than if you're selling to, you know, HR managers with companies at least five people. Like, those are just different. Those are different worlds. You're, you're going to need different things to happen, and your options are going to be different. And that might sound really obvious, but, you know, if I say something in the next five minutes, somebody's like, no, what are you talking about? You can't not use the phone. It's like, it's all all vertical and market specific. So that's that's one thing. Yes. The next thing I would say, what's the what's the sauce behind the perfect person at the perfect time? I think it would really come back to, you know, at least our approach is start with your buyer. As you know, maybe people are like rolling their eyes, like of course you start with your buyer, but really like start with your buyer and try to write out, like physically write out on the board. Like we still do this when you know we have counts that stump us. Write out on the board everything you know about them. Like, what are the channels they use? Like, what are the problems they have? Like, it sounds very prototypical, but like, if you actually go through the work of writing it out, you will find your your best approach kind of happen before your eyes. And I think the problem is that a lot of people start with, "Well, I have a telephone and I have an email account, so that's going to be it." Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two yeah. phone calls and two emails, and that's it. And I think you know one of the right moves we made early on was really focusing about focusing on the fire and building off of, you know, where does director of IT spend their time? Do they answer their phone? And then we go and do some research and try to figure it out.
0: Okay. And then, so a lot of people might have, they might have you know the basic information written down. It's like, okay, we know that we can sell to these companies of this size, and these are the three or four people that are involved in the decision making. Mm -hmm. But then they kind of stop at that point. And then they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I got a phone and an email, let's go. You know. Yep. So how do you take it? How do you take it deeper than that? I mean, you know, it's like instead of just sawing away, like how do you sharpen yeah. the saw more before you move forward, which is doing a bunch of
1: stuff. Yeah, that's not the right question. So I think there's like an ideal answer, and then there's you know reality. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the ideal answer is that you are able. To cultivate, you know, when I talked about you know drawing something out of the board, you're really able to do a lot of research, and this takes time. And I think this is, you know, if I think about like things that I see teams do that add to later heartache, it's the fact that they don't take the time to do the research about their buyers. So let's say that they know, you know, here's the group of titles, and you know, we've always done, you know, cold calling with one to two email follow-ups. And I'm just throwing that out there. They tend to just roll with that rather than saying like, all right, well, how? you know, how is, what, where does this person work? Like starting at that, do they work in an office? Do they work in a cubicle? Are they in the field? Do they have a cell phone? Like what, what is this person gonna be doing when you call them? Like, are they gonna be working on somebody's dishwasher? Are they gonna be in a meeting? Do they spend a lot of time at a desk? And I, again, like it sounds kind of silly, but like when you actually go through this, true. like I, I work with people all the time and they're like, yeah, we're cold calling refrigerator repairman. And I'm like, what do you want them to do? And they're like, well, we want to we want to get on the phone. And Give buy. us some money. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> they spend you know seven out of their eight hours in the field. What are they going to do? Answer the phone underneath the you know the stove or the refrigerator? And so I think people just can, should, can put the cart before the horse when it comes to knowing the supplemental information that then drives some of the strategy. So I would say do research. Like, there's a lot of there's never been as much information online as there is today about buyers, and so go and, and do research find out read articles listen to podcasts and see what you can find out and then once you have that information then you actually that's really when the strategy starts it's like figure out what your environment is and then you get to start going into strategy and you get to start figuring out great so i know my channel so now what's the content going to be what's the cadence of events going to look like what is the angle you know does well one of the things that we use a lot at sapper is disc profile personality profiles like they can be a little too wide varying but we found that disc profiles are a great proxy for communication techniques and so we use that to drive a lot of the flavor behind our our content our messaging
0: okay so you can so i got a bunch of questions so you but but you can boil down if you kind of get a readout on who you're going to be calling then you can say generally the people those people are this disc profile so let's build Mm -hmm. our you know, messaging around that.
1: That's exactly right. Okay. And I think that comes back to like a strong appreciation for buyer personas. That's one of the early things we did well and is now, you know, that's the basis for our, our Reggie tool. And I can share more about that later, but you know, the idea is that your buyer persona is going to drive your strategy. It's going to say, this is the kind of person, these are the kind of tactics I should use. And, and ultimately, this is the kind of, of content strategy and messaging I should I should be using.
0: Most people refer to VanillaSoft as the solution. It's the solution to ensure sales reps make the right number of attempts for every lead across all channels, including email, social, and the phone. It's the solution to serve the rep the next best lead every single time. You need to get your solution at VanillaSoft.com. Got it. Okay, so it's really doubling down on that. So if somebody you know, buys into this strategy and they've got, maybe they've got headcount for three SDRs, for example, mm-hmm. that they can bring in house. Mm-hmm. Should they make one person just be doing research and then one person just be doing the content and then one person do the actual outreach or can one person, you know, I, I know if it's like a startup and you only have one person, then they got to <laughs> do everything. But if you have headcount head count for three, you know, should you divide the workout because it seems like a completely different type of personality yeah. for that yep those
1: yeah, yeah, no, I agree it is it is very different work. I'm a big fan of segmented roles, so I think that we all have natural bents, and even if you have four sdrs, chances are those four sdrs are going to have different inclinations and strengths and weaknesses. And especially if you know that on the front end, you can hire for those rather than just stumble upon them. I think the question though, of whether or not you you know, can fully build out like one person's job is to just do research is kind of a question of like, how many like campaigns, sequences, cadences, whatever your tool is, how many of your campaigns are you going to be making on a regular basis? How many buyer personas do you have? So if you're a company that has, if you sell light bulbs, and you sell light bulbs to two different people, you know, you got a facilities manager and a director of operations. You It doesn't matter how many SDRs you have, you don't need somebody that's, you know, doing full-time research because you really have one or two campaigns and you're just going to have lots of variations of those. But if you are a large software company that has, you know, 10 different business units, and each business unit has its own unique set of upsells and cross-sells and complexities then you probably need more than one person you probably need a research team that is you know digging into your buyer the evolving landscape understanding how buyer personas in the procurement process are different from the sales process and and all of these different things that have to be factored into you know designing the perfect email for the perfect person at the perfect time
0: it's amazing how people still look at sales development very one-dimensional you know and they don't put a lot of time into it but I mean what you're describing is a completely different like org chart than most sales development teams.
1: Yeah, and it's I think there's some companies out there doing it really well and I think I think we're just early. You know, I think that there's still a lot of companies that are able to get by without having this kind of distribution of work and pre-work, but I am of the opinion and you know we can talk about this or skip over it, but I'm of the opinion that that is, those days are, are flying behind us. Prospecting is getting harder. Sales is getting harder and just evolving. It's just becoming different. And so I, I think that this is going to become less optional and more of the table stake.
0: This is the modern approach. So let me ask you if someone's out there and they're just like, oh man, you know, we've been trying this. TJ is like going through all this stuff. I just don't even want to deal with this. I want to just <laughs> outsource my sales development program. <laughs> or I'm trying to come up with a better word, but I need some help. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to hire all these people and do all this stuff. Like, what are, what are the two or three things that you would recommend in preparing? They should prepare to work with you so that they're more successful you know, in that, in that yeah. uh, initiative.
1: Well, a couple of things I would say. I mean, we work with folks. We help out folks that have a very strong motion and understanding. Maybe they've got a dedicated team already and we're just supplementing. They've got some big number they got to hit or they need some, some extra muscle and we can come in and help. And if that's the case, chances are, They've got enough for us to work with and we can just jump in and say, hey, here's, this could be better and here's some of our research and here's some tactics and some training and it, it makes the whole thing sing. If somebody's new or has, you know, kind of struggled, you know, the entire time, they maybe they don't have a team at all, or maybe just one person, you know, then it really comes back to us having a conversation about, you know, what's your offering? You know, starting even behind your buyer, like what are you selling? And making sure that we're really tight on our understanding and our language, you know, we use a lot of the, you know, can you tell it to me like I'm five? There's no shame yeah. in it. It's, you know, the best the best messaging could be understood by a five-year-old. So um, we try I to use that, that a lot. And then you know, then we just talk about your buyer. And this is a lot of the work that we do for our clients. You know, people come to us because they, they need help. And, and most of the time they don't know where to start. So there's not a ton that they have to come to the table with. But I would say if, you know, if you are looking to get help, whether it's a sapper or somebody else, you know, know who your buyer is, know what you're bringing to the table to sell, and then it's really helpful if you know your space. So if you know, for instance that you know you've been prospecting for ten years and you only ever get you know great results by following up on conferences, well, then let's build everything that we do on making sure that you know the four conferences you go to each year are just super high impact versus doing some brute force campaign and hoping for the best.
0: Right. That has nothing to do with what is actually working. So let me ask you this. So say they, they're working with you and, Mm -hmm. or they're thinking about working with you and they, Mm -hmm. they are evaluating, you know, you versus like three other outsourced companies, you know, how should they go about doing that? I mean, obviously they should just hire you. I mean, mean, I'm a little biased, but but say they're, they're setting up, like you got to do your due diligence. Like you got to talk to, at least three yep. or four companies and you then do. make a decision. So how should they structure that that investigation of these different companies?
1: Yeah. I and just for the record, I prefer it when people have, have done their research. You know, because if it's your first time and you haven't talked to anybody else, your yeah. your expectations might be unrealistic. So it's actually going to help me out by you talking to other folks in the space and knowing this is kind of what the bar looks like. But I, I would say in general, like find out how long the company's been around. If it's a really new company that hasn't been very, very long around, very long, no, no shame on that. We all had to get started somewhere. But they, they may be built around you know a certain sales method or a certain prospecting method that may not be sustainable or is resilient. So you know, making sure that they've had a little bit of tenure it doesn't have to be super long. Know what they measure and make sure it's the same thing you want to measure. So if somebody's like, yeah, we're going to help you out with prospecting, we're going to be an outsourced demand gen team or whatever it is. You know, and if you're looking for sales meetings, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna send you impressions, we're gonna send you Facebook likes," <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: you know, you got to make sure you're you're focused on the on the right thing and the same thing. And then I think it's just understanding the the stack that they're gonna use, and making sure that it's like a modern sales stack. So you know, if they've hired you know a guy named Jim in a basement to just manually send emails and phone calls on your behalf, that's fine. You know, I'm sure Jim's great. Jim's but, a great guy. Um, Jim's a great guy. Listen, <laughs> he works really hard. Thank God for LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I think it's better to make sure that, you know, you're working with a company that's, you know, sourcing their data really thoughtfully, that they're managing that really well. And not just for compliance reasons, but too, just for, you know, efficiency of your campaign. You know, they're using automation tools. And you could say that that's not my problem. That's the company's problem. But I would say that it will have downstream effects on you, you know, if they're not using efficient processes and, and taking advantage of modern tools
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's the key and unpacking that, have your questions ready and make sure Mm -hmm. that they are on point and they're a match with you. So say now they're, they're working with you and, Mm -hmm. or no, they're working with a different company and they're like, okay, we're three months into it. This company is not performing well. Like, like they're not sending me what I need and I'm not getting good communication and stuff like that. Like what should they do in that case?
1: I mean, there's kind of like a technical question of like, do they get out of their contract? How long did they sign on? Like, what, is that? what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the more like, how do I make this? How can I make this great? Because I would encourage anybody that's three months into a campaign that, you know, unless you've seen some gross misuse of process, like, you know, they probably haven't tried everything yet. And so I would encourage anybody that at the three month mark, even if it's, you know, with our biggest competitors, like stick in there, like give it, you know, give it another month. I feel like at least four to six months is kind of the sweet spot for if you're pros, you know what you're doing, you know, you might need a couple months to really dial the campaigns in, especially because follow-ups often, you know, get sent out over the course of a month or six weeks. So anyways, I would say the thing that I would bring to the table is, you know, making sure that you're sharing with them all the information. You know, I think we've had some clients of ours stumble in the past because they've really wanted maybe to focus on a specific business unit or about it in this way to kind of give us the handcuffs, and that's fine. But you know, when the results don't perform, and we have a candid conversation about it. You know, and then the response is, "Oh gosh, well, you know, we could have done any one of these things." You know, make sure you're being forthright about. You know, this is something new. This is an experiment. We've never sold this product. Whatever that is, keep all your options on the table. Make sure you've got a real partner on the other end of that. You know,
0: that's the key word. It's a partnership because I think you know a lot of companies, like I said, bringing it back. It's like they don't want the sausage making, you know, they don't want to know, like, they just want to eat the hot dog. I I don't know what the (laughs) the analogy is, but it's just like, dude, I don't even want to deal with this anymore. Like, here's my ideal customer profile. Here's my personas. Like, here's some scripts that didn't work for us, but here you go. (laughs) And just pump out, you know, fill up my calendar, TJ, you know? And it's like that, if you have that attitude, I feel like, and, you know, working with, our clients, it's like, you're definitely going to fail working with a company like yours. So,
1: yeah, I think that you, you've got to be partner minded. You got to be thinking like, how can these people be a part of my team? And I would say, you know, maybe the last note on that is just that, because in the end you should be working to take this over. I'm of the opinion and like, this is, this is our business. This is our space that, you know, our most successful clients should eventually outgrow us. They should have enough leads, enough revenue, enough pipeline, and enough understanding of how we've done it that they eventually are going to take this on themselves. And you know, maybe you're in a business or a place that you know you don't want to use that for some advantageous reason. But I think for the most part, folks are going to want to eventually grow into this themselves and take on the sphere of excellence. And so, you know, you need to be working with a partner that empowers that rather than holds that back.
0: Hundred percent. And I can tell you, some of the highest performing companies that are out there, they always have both going at the same time so they've got Mm -hmm. a great in-house team that's just crushing it and they've got you know maybe sometimes like two or three companies like yours that are it's fully integrated it's great partnership there's great communication I mean that's that's the way to go question for you tools we just put out the the new market map for sales development and it's getting crazy right now (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it just bigger that, and bigger and
0: bigger. It's not it's crazy. What is the what is the under underrepresented tool that's like? I'm not. I don't want to give away all your secrets, but um, <laughs> is there like? Okay, obviously, if somebody's already got Sapper, they've already got Reggie. You know, are there any other ones that you're just like? Okay, we couldn't live without this.
1: Oh Gosh, what are the? I mean, we keep it pretty simple what are some of the underrated ones that people can't live without? I mean, I'm a big fan of some of the one-to-one video tools that have come out. And I feel like those are kind of underrated. And I feel like often they're used poorly. So like Drift Video, they have a great, and Bomb Bomb's another one. There's a couple of them out there. I'm personally a big fan of Drift Video. And I think that in the right tactics, you know, in the right follow-up circumstance with enough personalization, but it's still short, one to one video done from a mobile device is like that's the next thing. So like LinkedIn has been really big for the for the last two years. I think it's going to continue to be really big and I think making sure you've got tools that empower your team to to be on LinkedIn, to be social, not just sending DMs, but that's kind of that's something everybody knows. And I would say so maybe the the thing that's underrated is one to one mobile video. I think that is going to be a bigger and bigger resource for the future.
0: Yeah, I can tell you also if you're out there if you're good looking and you're not making videos, <laughs> man. You are leaving so much money on the table. I mean, oh my god, you know, I can't do it because my face <laughs> is uh, not quite there, TJ. But I mean, somebody like you, man. I mean, I'd be oh making videos all day,
1: you know. Because listen, I've always yeah. said that you've got a face for radio. So <laughs> listen, you're just you're doing your calling, man. You're doing. You your know,
0: that's that's why we don't turn the cameras on for this podcast, but. I mean, you know, if you're some young, good-looking dude and, you know, you're especially, I don't know. I mean, people still <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but people still, you know, judge a book by its cover to some extent. They so do. it's it's they like, do. hey, if you're good-looking and you're not leveraging video, then I'm saying you're leaving money on the table. And I, I think pe- people are people are pretty shy about it, man. There's people not, are. you know. And yeah. you're also opening yourself up to You know, criticism, because I know that on LinkedIn, I spend way too much time on LinkedIn. (laughs) Everybody knows if they follow me, I'm like, all I do is like things all day. Um, (laughs) But if you're on LinkedIn and you post a bunch of videos, you're going to get haters. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're going to be like, dude, stop posting videos of yourself. But, you know, you got to deal with
1: haters, man. You know? Yeah. People don't like that. People don't like, I mean, I get it it doesn't feel good to have people heckling you or disagreeing with you in a really public way or you know whatever those are but um, i would say that they always those uncomfortable interactions are fewer than you would think and they always are outweighed by the good benefits the exposure the excitement and even the relationship building you know i've shared videos back and forth with people i've never met but it feels like you know we could go and have a three-hour dinner together and I think video is a hack for building relationship in, in a time where that can be hard to do.
0: Yeah. It's, there's so many things. I mean, cause we're talking about like if you're an SDR or you're running an SDR team, you know, using like special video that you just send to that right person at the right time that has a great mm-hmm. message. And so that that is awesome. Everybody should be doing that if it fits for your industry. Right. Like right. you said, but I mean, there's also like the whole social phenomenon of you know taping videos of yourself like walking through a neighborhood giving sales mm-hmm. tips
1: and <laughs> stuff that's like hot.
0: that i mean and so that's a double edged sword i mean because you want to be out there you know exposing yourself and building new relationships and there's going to be a lot of people that like it but then mm-hmm. i think it's like it's hard for people to push out of their comfort zone and start doing that because you yeah. will get haters. Like you will yeah. get
1: random people who go, "Dude, shut up!" You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's true. It's totally true. And I think you know, maybe to zoom out here. Like I think that this this is like a universal pr- principle that like you're gonna write emails and you're gonna send it to somebody who's like, "Dude, pounce in! Like, never email me again." And that doesn't mean you shouldn't continue. You know, your job may depend on you being able to continue doing it. But I think it does come back as a great reminder of like. Kind of that first idea of like, make sure you're doing the right motion for your audience. Yes. Make sure that you have a sense of, you know, am I doing this at the right time? Am I doing this? To, does this fit my buyer persona? Because if I'm sending videos, one-to-one videos to, to refrigerator repairmen, <laughs> right. they may They're be getting be like, totally... You're a jackass. You're a jackass. I work for <laughs> linen. What are you doing? Sending me videos? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah,
0: but if you're calling on marketers who are hip and, you know, you've got a a nice, you know, I think people get also get caught up on like the production value because they're like, you know what I mean? It's like, I I just have, but really, I mean, your phone has probably a pretty good camera. And as long as you get a a decent background or your computer, you can Mm -hmm. make a pretty good video.
1: Yeah, I think that it's, you know, the perfect is the enemy of the good kind of a situation and that people... Everybody wants to get started, but they they way overvalue the importance of the small details. And not that those things aren't, you know, I'm a big fan of aesthetics. I want things to look good and be well curated and all that stuff. But a done video is still better than, you know, a half made, never finished, perfect video. It's the same thing with email. Yep, ship it. That's it, man. That's
0: it. And, you know, there's one quick tool that I just found out about that's pretty cool. (laughs) It's called Marco Polo. And it's for like, within your company okay. and you know, instead of sending an email to somebody or doing Slack, you just go on, you record a quick video and you send it to somebody else in the company. I think Slack should buy, hey, you heard it here first, Slack should buy it Marco Polo because it's a perfect thing. And so you could just, you know, it's a little bit more personal and like team building than you yeah, know, just, cool. just sending Slack message. And they can watch, you don't have to be like live, You know, on it, you can Mm -hmm. just watch it anytime. So, again, if you're good looking and
1: (laughs) (laughs) how to win friends and influence people,
0: (laughs) right? Right, right. Get a good looking face and go for it. But, anyways, (laughs) TJ, dude, this has been so much fun. I learned a ton, and, you know, outsourcing or getting some help with sales development is a huge hot topic right now. And I just see your business continuing to grow and you got a great attitude about it. So, Thanks for sharing your secret nuggets with us and coming on the show.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure to share.
0: And if people want to get in touch with you, uh, Sapper Consulting, Reggie, what's the best way Mm -hmm. to to connect?
1: So you can reach out to our team directly from the SapperConsulting.com website, and then you can also book time directly with me for the time being if you go to Reggie.io. So feel free to reach out. would love to, to hear from folks, share what we're up to, and of course, help people get better at what we do.
0: I love it. And how do you spell reggie.io? I'll try to, I'll put R- it in the comments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. R-E-G-I-E dot I-O. Yep.
0: Got it. Reggie. Okay. So we'll, we'll put Sapper and Reggie in the comments and then let's definitely connect. So thanks again for coming on the Sales Development Podcast and joining our audience. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney.
0: Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.